Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jacoby Gillum. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the Nine Point Started With A Dream Podcast. And this thing started about three or four years ago with the athletes to kind of help share their stories in sports that we don't always get to hear. The story of the underdog, the stories that can inspire us to go out and achieve our dream as well. And today's guest is Charlotte Harris, and she has a journey that, you know, is about ambition. It's about pursuing your passion at all costs. And you're going to hear her story about how she went from being a player to a coach to owning her own agency and how she's now using that agency to help impact other volleyball players around the world and kind of help them achieve their dream and, and live their life to the fullest. So a great journey here. You're going to love Charlotte's story, and let's get to it. So Charlotte, the question I ask everyone that comes on is, when you're younger as an athlete, what was like your big dream and goal you wanted to achieve? Yeah. So my biggest thing was I wanted to play division one college volleyball. And I mean, when I started playing volleyball, when I was younger, I knew pretty much from the start that that was the goal. So with that goal, right. And you know, college volleyball, it's like only, yes, we say, you know, only selects you get to make it. How did you start realizing that, Hey, this is possible or how can I achieve that goal? Yeah. So from a young age, I was going to a lot of um, the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill games. I'm from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So I grew up seeing, you know, these elite division one athletes and really wanting to, to be like them. Obviously um, when I was 12 years old, I wasn't anything like them, but I was, you know, one of the better players in the area that I grew up in. And that was, um, that was, of course, gave me a lot of confidence. And what I ended up doing was trying out for like the state high performance team where I met Kathleen, who you interviewed a couple of weeks ago. And I think what, what I remember from that experience was, um, I went there and was not the best one in the gym anymore. (laughs) I was competing against girls from all over North Carolina and there were some really talented players there. And I had not experienced the level of coaching that a lot of these players had, but I was one of the most passionate in the gym for sure. And I wanted to, to play volleyball and work hard and be there. And the coaches noticed that. And what happened was they had like a tryout camp where you were there. Um, and I think at that point you had to be selected to be in the tryout camp. And so that camp was like a, a week. And at the end of the camp, they chose 12 players to play on the team to travel to Texas and compete in the state high performance tournament. So you're competing under USA volleyball's name against all the other States. And, um, the coaches pulled me over in the last day and they were like, Charlotte, look, here's the deal. We see so much potential in you and we can't bring you on right now as one of the 12, but we'd like to offer you a spot as number 13 as an alternate. And if anybody, if anybody gets injured, if somebody's sick and can't come, then you'll play. But regardless, you're going to get to come to the the next training camp with us and you'll get to travel to the tournament and you'll get to have that experience. And I think that they were, I think that a lot of people that got that opportunity said no. And I said, yes, I was like, great. Awesome. I get to keep being in a high level gym with good players and yeah, I don't get to play in the tournament, but, um, you know, that's okay. And by the time we got from, I think the the first trial was like in May and then the next, the camp right before the tournament was in July. And by the time we got to July, I had made a ton of improvements, had really listened to everything that they said. So the first day when we went to the tournament, I started <laughs> and 
I wasn't supposed to start. I wasn't even supposed to be dressed out. The only reason why I was dressed out that day is because one of the other players was with USA Volleyball and she was coming in the next day. So um, I started and one of the other outside hitters, parents who was there threw a fit. <laughs> He's like, I, my daughter didn't sign up to be an alternate. This girl did. So why is she on the court? And my daughter's on the bench. And that meant that I didn't get to play the rest of the tournament because, because he threw a fit, but I did walk away from that experience with a lot more confidence and seeing like where I could go if I, if I got better coaching and if I, you know, committed and took, took the time to, to, um, to play at a higher level. Just imagine if you had said no. <laughs> you know, I know. That how they may have changed for you, this whole journey, maybe. Yeah, for sure. And that it's, it's interesting. Cause like that was not a big thing, you know, that wasn't a year long experience or anything like that, but it, it made such a big impact because it gave me the chance to be exposed to volleyball at a higher level and see, I'm not there yet, but this is where I want to go. And this is what I need to do to get there. So you, so you have this, you know, so now you're going back home to North Carolina. And so you still have this dream. Like I want to be a division one athlete. You kind of, you kind of have a new, a new guess what mindset, maybe, maybe like a, a bigger frame. But how did you think that now that I'm kind of in this, in this, in this, in this state, how can I make it happen? Did it kind of go more, more club team more than more high school teams or what? Yeah. So before that I had been playing for kind of my local club, which was more, um, people that wanted to play volleyball because they thought it was fun and they were committed to it, but not really serious about it. And at that point, the coach from the, um, from the high performance team, um, Jenna, she's awesome. She's supported me in many stages of life, but she actually was going to coach at, um, triangle volleyball club, which was a really competitive national travel team. And she was like, look, you, you need to come to tryouts. You need to come play for me. And so I ended up doing that and I played for triangle, um, until I went to college and that really set me up for, for playing division one volleyball. Was, was there ever a moment that you felt that like the dream wasn't going to happen? <laughs> yes, <laughs> there were, um, there were many, you know, I was later to the game. So I, I developed more, I guess, physically than some girls. Well, not really, but you know, I was pretty tall by the time I was like 16 and then I stopped, you know, I'm five, nine, five, 10. So when I was 16, I was getting looks from some big schools and was really excited about it. And then I didn't keep growing and I, and I didn't, um, you know, really get, start jumping a lot higher or anything like that. So those, schools started to fill their positions and I wasn't getting offers. And I remember my, uh, my high school coach sat me down and she's like, look, Charlotte, I know that like your big goal is to play division one volleyball, but maybe, maybe we need to be a little bit more realistic here because you are, you know, five, nine, five, 10 outside hitter. And there aren't that many girls of that size really, you know, playing division one, maybe it would be better for you to look at some division two schools or some, some other opportunities. And it's funny now because I think about that talk and I can remember it. Like I remember sitting in that gym, talking to her and everything that she said went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> and as much as that might be a bad thing, she had very valid points in a lot of ways. I'm so happy that it did because I knew it was possible and I knew that that was my goal and that's what I wanted to make happen. And if I needed to make some other sacrifices, 
than I was willing to do that, um, in terms of maybe like scholarship or position or different things like that. But, but I wasn't going to accept, accept not playing division one because I wanted to compete at the highest level that I could. And I wanted to be challenging myself. And I guess kind of going back to this dream, what about the dream just kind of kind of had this like desire in you that like, I have to be a division one volleyball player. Like what about that dream? Yeah, I think a lot of it just goes back to growing up in Chapel Hill and like everything about the whole community, the whole world is, is about the athletics at the university. And I grew up watching those girls and, and wanting to, you know, play at that level. And, uh, now knowing what I know now, I mean, there's great opportunities for athletes across all divisions. And I'm sure I could have gone to a division two school and had a great experience, but for me, that goal was just so definitive and, you know, I was ready to get after it and get that, reach that goal. So I guess a million dollar question and did the goal become reality? <laughs> yes, it did. It did. I played, um, I played at Mercer university, which is a division one school in Georgia. Okay. So I went from North Carolina to Georgia. So, so how, how is that freshman year, you know, going from, you know, I guess you now achieve the ultimate dream that you had as a kid. Now it's like, what's next? Yeah. I mean, I think anytime I was playing volleyball, I wanted to be on the court. <laughs> so that was the thing. Like now I've got, I've gotten there. And I mean, for anybody that's going from their high school team to their college team, you're probably one of the better players where you're coming from. If you've made it to the college level and then you get there and you know, everybody's pretty good. So my freshman year, it was all about trying to figure out like, how am I going to get on the court? And at that time I was, I was competing for an outside hitter position with two freshmen. There was a, a senior who had earned, she was going to start no matter what. And then I was competing with two freshmen and we could not be more different. Like I was by far the best server seat passer. The other outside was by far the best defender. And the other outside was by far the best attacker. So our coach would joke, like, why can't I just put you guys all into one <laughs> and just have all three of you that in one, cause that would, um, make her job a lot easier. We definitely made her job harder, but, um, yeah, the best defender, she ended up earning, earning her starting spot. Um, she was a little bit better all around than uh, me and the other outside. So then it came, it, then it became like, well, what, how do I make, make myself a role on this team? You know, if that traditional outside hit a role that I am used to playing and that I thought I was coming here for is, is not available to me. Like this other girl, she beat me out fair and square. So what can I do to contribute to the team? And for me, that was, uh, passing and serve receive. And I ended up kind of earning a spot as what we call like a defensive specialist in volleyball playing back row for one of the outside hitters. And I was just happy to, to be on the court. I wanted to, I wanted to play. Yeah. So I guess in those four years of college, but they're like a game that you just, they just felt like this was like, like, like your moment, like your game. I guess my, one of the games that's probably my, my favorite memory is, uh, my junior year, I, I ended up switching to le the libero position and playing that position my sophomore, junior, senior year. And for those that don't know volleyball or just learning about volleyball, that means that I played, um, in a different color Jersey and I was playing in the back row only. So my main job was service even defense. Um, so in my junior season, I had, I had a great season. I was playing the best volleyball of my career and I ended up, um, in the, in, in like three quarters way through the season, I think I was, I was number two in the record books for, uh, digs per set or digs all 
digs in a season. So I remember that game and getting that, that dig that put me over the edge. And I remember my coach looking at me and being like, you're, you're in the record books now. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was a pretty cool memory. That's awesome. So, so yes. Yeah, so how has it been like, like with your family, like, were they like, like, like a game sometime, they kind of able to fly down or they kind of very supportive through your whole um, athletic journey. For sure. For sure. And I mean, any, well, I can't speak for everyone, but club volleyball and I think all youth sports now in the U S are insanely expensive. So the commitment that families have to have to make and the sacrifices that they have to make in order to get a player to college is, is pretty huge. And that was a big thing that I definitely recognize is that my parents, my parents sacrificed a lot to even get me there. And then while I was there, yeah, I think that, um, my dad came to a lot of games, um, and was, was there pretty frequently. And my mom came sometimes, but it was a little bit farther drive for her. So she wasn't there as much, but they've, they've always been a great support system. It kind of helps too, right? Kind of being, you know, far from home to have familiar faces sometime in the stands. For sure. For sure. And I think honestly, the the best way that my parents always supported me during my uh, volleyball career was, uh, was by, by always listening when, when things didn't go my way or I was upset about something, but always challenging me a little bit too. You know, they were never the parents that would, I, like I t- I've said, I wanted to be on the court, you know, and when I wasn't on the court, I was pissed. <laughs> and my parents would tell me like, you need to suck it up. You need to have a good attitude and be a good teammate. And they were right. And, but at the time that was the last thing I want to hear. And as a coach, I've had that same situation with players. And oftentimes their parents are telling them, oh, you're right. You should be on the court. Like, oh, da, da, da. and it, it actually doesn't really serve the the player because it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, make them work hard for anything. It makes them think that they just deserve to be there just because. And my parents always kind of challenged me in that way and, and made sure that um, my strong will was kind of checked sometimes. Yeah. Eagle can get big if we just always getting fed the stuff that we want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. And the drive can get low too, I think, because it's, it's really easy to, to give up on something when you think all of a sudden that, you know, that you're being wronged and that it's not fair what's happening to you instead of looking at it as like, what can I do better? How can I work harder? How can I contribute to my team in other ways if I'm, if I'm not on the court? And, um, that's an important perspective to have. Yeah. It kind of served you well then about, about, about the year, right? you said you were in a, a new position. So you kind of found a way, like, how can I, how can I find my role on this team? How can I be you know, a contributor? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what, that's what really, uh, became evident. Like for me in college was that in my freshman year, I realized I am a bit undersized for an outside hitter at this level. And yeah, I can work harder and start jumping higher and everything like that. But like, what am I really good at and where can I contribute to the team the most? And that was in passing and defense and taking on the libero role. Um, I'm not a or I wasn't a traditional kind of libero, but it was absolutely the best move for me. And I'm happy that I was kind of took it with open arms because a lot of times, you know, it can be hard. It can be a hard reality to face when you've, you've thought of yourself in one way and one role for so long. And then you're, you're asked to switch to something else. Definitely. So for me in my, in my athletic journey, I, I dealt with like things that happened, right? There was injuries, there was mental health, you know, they were getting cut, you know? So for you, were there any, like any moments that just, that it just was not going right? Or just, you felt like, man, this is, this is tougher than I thought it would be, or did a setback? 
for sure. Um, my junior year, like I said, I had a, a really good season and was defensive player of the year in my conference. And, you know, really thought going into, uh, my senior year that our whole team was just going to have a blowout year, you know, but instead in the winter of my junior year, I blew out my ACL. So, uh, that really changed things. You know, I had, I had worked the spring before my sophomore spring and, and my freshman spring, they have rules like in the NCAA about how many hours you can train, but, but you're allowed to ask the coaches to train extra. So I was always asking my coach, like, let me get in the gym, let me get extra reps. And the springtime was really my time to work on, um, like fine tune my skills because I was able to just get a lot of individual training because I was always asking for it. And then when I was in the winter of my junior year, I tore my ACL. So that whole spring, I wasn't able to play volleyball at all. I was, you know, recovering and learning, being able to walk and jump and everything like that and try to get ready for, for August. And when that time came, my mind and my body were in two different places. So that was really hard to, that was a hard reality to kind of face and a hard pill to swallow when I, I wanted my body to be performing at the level it was a year before. And it, it just wasn't there yet. So you went from the record books to an ACL injury. I did. I did. It was rough. I think I still finished like second in my, I did finish second in, in my conference in digs per set though. So, but, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't nearly where I wanted to be. And I think also just, I mean, you know, the, the mental toll that it takes on you is almost worse than the physical, like physically, I, I probably could have been performing a lot better if I had gotten the fear out of my head of getting re-injured again. And so I was, you know, slower than I was. I was second guessing myself. I was taking up kind of less space on the court because I was, I was scared. And that was probably an even bigger hurdle than, than where I was at physically. And when you say you were scared, was it like you were scared of like just jumping again or like, was it like diving on the floor again? Like what, 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 what was like your, your biggest fear when it came to you know, the, the re-injury? I think I was scared of getting re-injured. And also I think I was just scared of underperforming, you know, when you set your, your expectations so high and when you want, um, that year that things to go so well, and then they don't, and then you kind of feel it starting to slip away from you. And then you start trying to grab onto it even harder when, when really what I've learned, maybe it's better to kind of redirect and find a different kind of goal or a different thing to focus on so that you're not obsessing and not kind of going down a black hole. So, so, so you said, you said I think a year to go to, right? You said one more year left. So how did you kind of find a way to kind of reframe your mindset or how to overcome, you know, that fear so you can at least have a senior year that you, that every athlete wants? Yeah. So this was all in my senior year. <laughs> this is, yeah, it was my junior year that I had a good year. And then I tore it, my ACL in the winter of my junior year. So it was my senior, my last season that, that didn't go so well. And I actually remember our, the, our very last game. Um, I, I finally was able to play freely, you know, just let my mind go and just play. And I remember my coach, like after the game, she's like, that's the best you've played all season. Like, what was the difference? And I was like, just wasn't thinking so much. Like it's pretty much it. You got, you got, you got out of your head a little bit. Exactly. So, so once I guess, you know, this last game happened, what was your thoughts on what's next? Was it just like, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get a job and, you know, go back home and start working. I, I didn't have all the answers and I don't think that I, I felt like I needed to right then. Um, I knew that 
you know, I, I wanted the chance to live abroad. I knew that I loved traveling and being overseas. I also knew that I loved volleyball. And I think my big or my go-to thought was that I was going to coach college volleyball. And, um, and that's what I, I ended up doing for a little bit. First I went overseas and lived in London and then I was coaching college volleyball in the U S um, and that was kind of the career path that I was going down when I was living in the U S so why, why coaching? What, what about it made you want to go back to the sport that you love so much? Yeah, I think that's, that's a lot of what it's about. I love, I love the sport. I also love interacting with people and giving back to athletes. And I love, um, you know, I love helping people believe in themselves and really get to that, that next, get to that next goal of theirs. And that's, you know, the, the most fun part for me about coaching, no matter what level I was coaching at, I've coached at a lot of different levels was always watching when, when you're with an athlete and you know, they are working, you're working on something and you're working on something and they don't get it. And then they finally do. And you see that they start to believe in themselves just a little bit more from, from getting that skill. And that is the most beautiful thing about sports in general to me and, and a beautiful part of coaching as well. So say there's an athlete right now that's like, say they aren't developing as quick as the people around them, right? What advice would you give them on just maybe on how to just, you know, stick with it or, or like how, how to just, you know, keep pursuing the dream? Yeah. I mean, one thing that, that is going to always hold you back is comparing yourself to those around you. I mean, it's about getting a little bit better each day and, and challenging yourself within your own frame and within where you're at. And I think for those athletes that are really successful or where I found success was when I stopped trying to be better than someone else. And when I started looking at what am I good at and how can I, um, how can I develop those skills? And that's goes for anything in life too. I mean, so often, especially with youth sports now, we want to give everybody a, a trophy and tell everybody that they did a good job and everybody's a winner, but not everybody's a winner and not everybody is good at everything. And that's okay. You know, you don't have to be good at everything. Find what you're good at, find what you're passionate about and, and hone into that. That was fire. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I love that. Don't, I, trust me, my husband has heard me on that soapbox so many times. <laughs> about the youth sports. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so the journey wasn't, wasn't over for you when it came to coaching, you kind of said, I want to do more. And so how did you, so you, you played overseas, correct? That you made that journey overseas to play. Yeah. So I was playing in Sweden and my journey here was a little bit different because, um, I met a guy at Mercer, um, and he was a Swedish guy who was playing soccer over there. Who's, who's now my husband. And we were doing long distance for a while, um, in the U S or I was in the U S and he was in Sweden while I was coaching and kind of push came to shove. And it was like, look, this long distance thing has got to be over. And, um, we got to, one of us has to make the move. <laughs> um, like I said, I, I've always wanted to live abroad and live overseas. So I moved to Sweden and started playing in the top league here. So, so if we just pause the journey right now, right. And you look back at, at the, at the, 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 the young Charlotte in, in North Carolina that was going to go D one. And now she's across the uh, overseas now playing pro. What would you say to her? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that. I don't know what I would say to her. That's a good question. <laughs> I would tell her, yeah, to, to keep, to keep going after, you know, what, what kind of sets your heart on fire and see where it leads you because playing, you know, volleyball in, in Sweden couldn't have been 
anywhere on my radar when I was a young, young player, but, um, there are so many opportunities out there in volleyball that I know of, and there's so many opportunities out there in different sports. So just keep going after what you love and I'm working hard and good things will happen. So you met your husband, y'all did the long distance thing and you said, all right, I'm moving to Sweden. All right. So now that you're over in Sweden, how did you stay involved with the sport? What did you get, you didn't get like a job in the agency? What kind of helped you kind of get, stay involved with volleyball? So I was, I was playing in Sweden and I was also contacted by a sports agency that was looking for somebody to start a college program for them, helping athletes to go to international athletes, to go to college in the U S and they knew that I had college coaching experience. So I kind of fit into the role role perfectly. So I, um, ended up starting with them and I was under the impression that that was that was the whole job. But when I sat down and met with the CEO for the first time, um, thinking that we were kind of talking about college, she's like, all right, so we're going to do this college thing, you know, but that's, that's not going to be like, that's not going to really keep you going. You know, you're going to, you're going to want to, to work with volleyball because obviously that's what you love and what you're passionate about. So you're going to be a professional volleyball agent. And I remember walking out of that meeting, like, what, what, this this was not like, this is not at all what I thought it was, but they were, they are a super, super dominant agency in, in women's football. And being there, I got to learn from, uh, some great, great female agents and great. He was also a great male agent and, uh, and be a part of deals with, you know, some of the biggest clubs in the world, like Arsenal and Juventus and Manchester city and get an inside look at, at how the negotiations and contract deals and all those sorts of inner workings of being an agent, um, how they work. So you went from being an agent and then you went from saying, I want my own agency. How did, <laughs> uh, so how did, how did that, transition inspire like like what inspired that that thought that maybe I can have my own agency yeah so this is gonna sound bad but in some ways you know I I would say I was so from the time before I even moved to Sweden when I was coaching college volleyball in the U.S. I sat down with with one of my colleagues who was also a coach there and she had been coaching for a, a lot longer than me and had a lot more experience and and she looked at me and she said well what are you what are you gonna do in Sweden. And I said, well, maybe I'll just like start my own business and, and start my own agency. And at the time I was thinking for, for college. And I really had had that idea in mind from even before I moved. And I had this belief that I could do it from the beginning without really understanding that actually starting your own business is pretty complicated. And there's a lot of different factors that, that go into it. And it's, um, it takes a lot of sacrifice and, and work and also just a lot of general, practical, pragmatic stuff. That's not (laughs) exciting. Um, but I had this belief that I could do it anyways. And then I, while I was working for, for the other agency, um, they were really big in women's football and it was pretty obvious that they wanted to pour their resources, their time, like everything into that. And, um, it came, it came to the point where I wanted to pour resources and time and invest more into volleyball and growing volleyball. You know, I wanted to travel to see our clients and, and be able to, you know, travel to more games and do all these things that I wasn't, I didn't have necessarily the full support of the owners at that agency to do. So I ended up buying the agency from them, um, in 2019 and starting it as athletes abroad management or buying the volleyball agency and college program. They still have a good women's soccer agency. 
that that's a pretty dope journey right there. Like, I want to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to buy, buy the agency and I'm going to start building my own thing. So was there anybody like in, in your life that kind of gave you that kind of confidence that inspired you that, that this is possible, something that I can do? For sure. Um, I would say there are many people in my life who inspired me and gave me that confidence, but one person that always gave me the sense of belief that, that I could run my own business was my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother, she, uh, grew up in a much different time than we live in today. She's what, 94 years old. And uh, when she was graduating from uh, high school, her, her father was a successful business owner and she was under the impression she had followed, you know, the business and was under the impression that that was something that she could be a part of and was really interested in being a part of it. And he told her like, you're a woman, you will be a nurse or a teacher. Those are the only acceptable jobs for women, a nurse, a teacher, or wife. Um, and my grandmother didn't want to be a stay at home mom. She wanted to work. So she chose to be a teacher and did that for, for many years. And, and finally kind of realized that she wasn't, um, she was undervaluing herself in that role, that it wasn't necessarily the the best place for her and that she could start her own business. So she did start her own business and it's still successfully running today. My mom actually runs it herself. So it's pretty cool to have, um, to have them both as inspirations, uh, as, you know, female entrepreneurs who are running their own business. My mom did it as a single mom raising two crazy kids. So uh, they definitely, they definitely showed me that it's possible. And, and kind of say in that, cause you, you are, well, you're the first American FIVB agent, right? Like, female American. Female it's kind American. of complicated. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's uh, I think there's three of us that are American that are FIVB licensed. And uh, there's actually, there's only nine females that are FIVB licensed out of 74 um, FIVB licensed agents. So there's not many of us. So, so what does that mean to you when, when we, we, we kind of have that, I guess that title, right? Like what does what mean you kind of be the first American woman? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. From, from the beginning, from when I first started, um, as, as an agent, I knew I wanted to be FIVB licensed. There are, there are agents working, there are good agents working who aren't FIVB licensed, but without, um, being FIVB licensed, you don't have the same kind of protection for your clients that you do as an FIVB licensed agent. So that was always a goal of mine and it takes, um, yeah, there's some steps to it and, you know, they, they have to verify you and your agency and there's a financial commitment and everything like that, that comes with it. So then there's a test and an interview and all that kind of stuff. So it takes some, some work to make it happen, but it was always a goal that I wanted to achieve. And now being able to do it, I think what it means for me is more about what it means for our clients, you know, being able to better serve them and protect them is, is always my top priority. So that is a huge part of, of pride for me with being an FIBB licensed agent. And so, so do you, so you're using that kind of help after the broad end. So, you know, there are a lot, there are a lot of agencies out there, right? Everyone, they, they, you know, the agency, you know, what, what makes the athlete abroad the agency for, you know, the athlete should, should look into or just, you know, want to be a part of. Yeah. Um, I, I hope there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> I would say that, you know, we, we look at things in a different way. I think the traditional agent role is to find a contract, to find a job for a player. And that is, you know, pretty much where they believe their, 
their work begins and ends. And for me, that's really where my work begins, but it's not at all where it ends. I want to be there to support the players every step of the way and really have a player first mentality and, and prioritizing them and their needs kind of above everything else. And that's been really important. And also just having strong personal relationships with, with all of our clients is, is what makes it fun. You know, it wouldn't be fun to, for me to have, you know, 200 clients who I don't really know who they are, who I'm just finding jobs for and filing through. And that's how some agencies work and and that works for them and that works for their clients. And that's great. But for me, that would, um, that wouldn't fulfill me in the way that doing things the way that, that we are now does. And, and does that kind of, kind of stimulate from and kind of, kind of being a player yourself and kind of have, and kind of going through that, just, you know, the whole journey of, as a kid and kind of staying the dream now to kind of help you kind of want to be that athlete first mentality. For sure. And I think a part of it too, is having the experience of, of living overseas and understanding how um, lonely it can be sometimes. Even if I was here with my husband, you know, I'm far away from my family and friends and he's got his whole life here already. So knowing that overseas experience and how challenging that can be and the challenges that that come with that in addition to playing definitely gives me a lot of drive to help these athletes. You see right now there are a lot of Americans playing overseas because there's not really a a longstanding league for it in the U.S. And so often you've seen players that play for for one season or maybe two or, or just have these miserable experiences. And part of that, of course, is sometimes maybe it's not for them or maybe they do get put into a bad situation. But I also think a lot of it is, is because they're not really prepared for what they're getting themselves into. And they're not really uh, them and their agents aren't really looking at what could be the best fit for them. They're looking more maybe at just the money or just the level or whatever it may be, instead of getting that whole picture. And it's funny you say that because um, yesterday I, I have you Lauren Page. Oh, really? Yeah. Talk about how you two kind of connected and how you kind of helped her realize, you know, like the team felt, felt fit for her skill set and kind of fit with what she's looking for. So kind of, kind of proof in the pudding right there, how, you know, athlete abroad operates. Lauren Page. Lauren Page is, is a great example of uh, somebody who has, you know, climbed the ladder in professional volleyball and, and works really hard and also kind of tried to look at, at the big picture. And she's, she's a great human and we're super, super, um, happy to have her with athletes abroad. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I, I mean, a few athletes so far from athletes abroad, I feel like some kind of like nine point plus athlete abroad, you know, a little segment. I love it. Yeah. You know. I love it. I love it. Our, I mean, our athletes have some really interesting stories and we so appreciate you taking the time to share them because professional volleyball is real. And it's really, really cool that these athletes are doing what they're doing. And so often they don't get to share their stories or people don't really understand um, the level that they're playing at and the things that they're achieving because they are so far away from home because there isn't a pro league in the U S. So I love that, that they're getting the chance to share on your podcast. And, and they've been great, you know, from you to Kathleen, to Maggie, you know, to Lauren, you know, so it's been really cool just to hear and how, you know, how you all connecting, you know, and it's a lot of, a lot of North Carolina people. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There's also, yeah, we have people from all over. We also have, you know, European national team athletes. And I think one thing that, that we really want to build with athletes abroad is, is a community, not just, I don't want people joining athletes abroad or, or you know, signing with us just because they want me to be their agent. Of course, I want, 
I want them to want me to be their agent, but I also want them to, to have this community within athletes abroad and have, you know, these, these strong, powerful professional athletes that are supporting each other and, and helping each other, because that's so important when you are thousands of miles away from family and friends. And when you are going into these intense high pressure situations and knowing other athletes that are going through the same thing can mean the world in, in you being successful or not. It's awesome that your agency is kind of building that within each other. Uh, so that way, say, you know, you're in France, you can go visit Kathleen while she's there, you know, you're playing in France and you kind of have that, that bond you're building. Exactly. Exactly. And I think a lot of that too comes from Kathleen and I both, you know, Kathleen was a, a professional in France for seven years and has ended up wanting to live there because she, she loves it so much, but that doesn't mean that, um, there weren't struggles involved. And, you know, I'm still in Sweden because I, I do love it here, but at the same time, like it was really hard in the beginning and there's a lot of things, there's a lot of pain that can be avoided. If you have somebody who's been through it before to, to kind of hold your hand and walk you through it. And for us, that's, that's so important because that's, what's going to keep athletes playing longer. You know, that's, what's going to keep them having better careers, being more fulfilled. That's what's going to keep clubs happier with them and their performance. And it's just going to be a win-win all around. Yeah. So, so say we go back, you know, trial with the agent, right. And, and, and that journey, that story. So say there's, you know, a, a girl, say there was a, a girl back home, right. That, that thought, Oh, I can be an agent. What advice would you tell her just about, you know, maybe how to approach it or just, or how to just look at that journey in itself. Yeah. Um, I would say in general for, for anyone like wanting to be involved in their sport, like just pursue your passion at all costs. Like don't let, um, your just because your playing career is over. It doesn't mean that there's not opportunities for you still in your sport, whether that's coaching or refing or, you know, um, being an agent or whatever it may be. But if you pursue your passion and you stay true to yourself, then you'll figure that out. And there are going to be some sacrifices that come along with it. I mean, people, especially when they think about, um, agents, you know, you think, Oh, we're running our own business and we're an agent and maybe we're, we're doing all these great things, but there's a lot of sacrifices involved that, that you have to make in order to, that I had to make in order to get to where I am. Um, so you have to be prepared to kind of make those sacrifices, but if you are pursuing what you love, then it'll be worth it in the end. So, so running a business in itself is, you know, it can, it can be it's, it's challenges and then it's stuff like you just said. So what, what helps you keep going? Our, our athletes, honestly, I, I love, I wake up every day and I'm so excited for the chance to get to work. I love um, working with our athletes. I love seeing their journeys, like the, the signing of the contracts when we, when we find the deals, of course, that gives you some juice and gets you really excited but it's so fun during the season following their success. And, you know, even, even the, when bad things happen, when they pick up the phone and call me and tell me about it, like that means the world to me. And that, that tells me that I'm doing something right because they, they trusted me to reach out. And it also tells me, you know, hopefully we can make this better because you are talking about it and because we are trying to find solutions for this problem. So they really are why I love what I do. And they, uh, they make it, they make it fun job every day. Maybe not. There are some times when it, there's some bad things that happen too, but (laughs) overall they make it a lot of fun. (laughs) So, so if we have the perfect world, right. And and we look like a few years down the road, where, where do you hope to see athlete abroad continue to grow into 
would grow and grow from. Yeah. I mean, I think the goal for us, and I, I would assume that most agents would say this, we want to work with the top players in the top clubs in the world. Um, but more important than that for me is, is really making sure that no matter where we go, we're always staying true to our vision and our values. It's really easy to do that in the beginning. You know, you set out these, these things that you're really passionate about and that you really want to make, and you have a few clients and, you know, you're not working with so many clubs and it is, it's really easy to do that. But when, um, when you start to get more traction and everything, there are opportunities that come up and it's really important to me that we always value our long-term success over any short-term gains. Um, and just make sure that we're always putting the player first and staying true to that. Love it. Love it. So you're amazing. You're pretty much, you're pretty much, you are like the athlete first of the agency. <laughs> yes, that would definitely be a player first mentality has been a big thing for me from the beginning. And in terms of like our values, I think full transparency is, is so important. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons why I almost was a little bit like, Ugh, when I even was, um, when the CEO of my former agency even brought the idea of being an a professional volleyball agent to me is because when you think of agents, you don't necessarily think of, um, you know, people that are really honest and working with a lot of integrity. And that kind of turned me off for a little bit, but I, I realized like, that's not me. And that doesn't have to be like, I could be me in this role, you know, and for me, full transparency between the players and the clubs and myself will always be more important than, you know, making a few extra bucks or whatever it is. Um, because I think that's how we're going to be able to, do the best for our athletes in the long run. Um, and then also just passion, like passion for what you're doing, both from me, from our athletes. Like I want athletes that are fired up and excited about this opportunity. I don't want people that I feel like I'm pulling their leg or having to walk them through, um, and really kick their butt to get them excited about it. Like I want to work and be around people that are passionate about what they do. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, no, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it, no, it gets me excited and it's, it's fun to talk about this stuff because when you do set all of these things in, in the beginning, uh, you don't always know how everything's going to play out. And now I, I feel like hopefully when you are talking to some of our athletes that you're hearing a lot of these things like from them, not just from me, but that they, that they know that this is how the agency is run and that this is, you know, the support that we give them and that they feel that. And I think too, for me, when hearing your, hearing your story and your journey so far, they're going to hear the passion, right? The passion that, that started when you were like 12 years old and how that passion is just still running with you now, now to today. And I think that that's like contagious, right? Like you, you want to be around someone that like loves what they're doing. And I think, you know, that's the props to you on that. For sure. And I mean, that's, I, I've, you know, I, I think I knew probably even when I was ending college, like I wasn't going to be in a traditional nine to five office job. Like that just wasn't for me. And if that meant that I needed to make some sacrifices, like one way or the other, I was willing to do that because I wanted to be excited about what I did. And I wanted to wake up and, and feel that fire and like be ready to get to work. And I'm really fortunate to be able to do that. Definitely. definitely. Kind of on that sacrifice thing. So sacrifices, right? How did you, how did you kind of just maybe like map out what were you like, your like, like, like what were you on the threshold, like for this dream? Like, like how'd you kind of map that out? If you don't mind me asking. Um, 
I don't, I don't think I did that at all. I think it kind of just took it as it came in a lot of ways, you know, it's like, okay. Um, you know, at first when we started, it's like, okay, can we survive this month? Like, are we going to be able to buy groceries? Like all that kind of stuff, because it takes a lot to run your own business and to be able to get things going. It takes time. And I know my, my father-in-law has been a big support system as well. And he's been really successful in business for many years. And he's always said like, it takes time. And even now he'll say like, you have no idea where athletes abroad is going to go. Like you are just getting started. Like three years is the time that we have been uh, running as athletes abroad. And he's like, that's nothing. Like I work with businesses all the time that, you know, it's 10 years before they really get going. So just wait, just see where you're at in 10 years. And that, that gets me excited too. Um, just thinking about like, okay, he's, he's seen this, you know, he's been, he's, been around the block a couple of times and he's seen businesses develop and grow and, and he sees the potential here. Okay. So I'm putting, I'm, I'm putting a calendar in my phone and say from seven years from today to check in on Charlotte and see how it is. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll still be interviewing our athletes, you know, <laughs> I might, I might be a thousand in by then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hey, we'll be, you'll be talking to some champions league winners is, yes. is hopefully what will be happening. Maybe we'll do one, do something in person. Then I'll, I'll, I'll fly over Steve and we'll, you know, exactly. interview him live. That would be great. Love it. Definitely. Definitely. And then a few more questions for you, Charlotte. So, so where are you at? So where's social media, websites, anything we can kind of mention for Athlete Abroad and you? Yeah. So Athletes Abroad, you can follow us at athletesabroad.se. Um, follow us on Instagram. We have Facebook too. Instagram is, is always a fun tool as well. Um, Personally, you can find me on Instagram at Charlotte RH711. And also you can find our website at bitsabroad.se. Um, and anybody you want to email, well, not the players, but myself or Kathleen, you can email us Charlotte at athletesabroad.se. Sweet. And definitely, you should definitely meet and meet and follow both of them. Like, like I, like I, I, I mean, it's like generally, like I really had a lot of joy, like interviewing both you and Kathleen and just like how, oh, okay. and how you two have like really, embody what I want not going to be about, you know, just about the athlete and the people. And I think you two are, are killing the game right now. So props to you both. Oh, thank you. I'm glad. And I mean, Kathleen, it's interesting, our stories and how we reconnected and have found this, found this together and now we're kind of working it together, but it's one of the reasons why I brought her on is because I have known her for so long and I know that she's such a great human and that she has similar values. So it was kind of a no brainer. And now, yeah, it's great talking to you and connecting with you as well. And fun, always fun to talk to people who are passionate about sports and kind of want to help more athletes and get the word out there. Sweet, sweet. And then I'm going to say this now, like we're going to figure out, maybe like down the road, we're going to do a magazine issue and, yeah. and about agents. And I think who got to take the cover then. Oh, I'd love that. Thank you. That would be awesome. But yeah, we're going to figure out, like, I got some issues I want to do down the road. I think cool. one of them will be, that'll be perfect. You know, how to become an agent, you know, the, the journey in itself. So I love that. You know, it's, you don't even know really that it's like a career path the way it is. And I think that a lot of times it's been, it, it has been dominated by males, especially like there are very few females doing it. So I love that, um, especially female athletes can see that it's even an option and yeah. hopefully there will be more to follow. Dang. Because Charlotte Harris. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> because of themselves, you know, <laughs> they, they were inspired by hearing Charlotte journey. 
I would, I would be honored if that were the case. That would be really yeah. cool. Sweet. Well, Charlotte, it's been great. Love talking with you and we'll talk to you soon. Yes. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. And, uh, I'll look forward to listening to the interviews with our athletes, especially. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.